Praise the Lord. You are destined to win. God spoke to me in August of 1980 and said to proclaim the word of faith, be a showcase of ministries, and train people to fulfill the word of God. The message that you're about to hear was recorded in a live meeting where the Lord used me to teach the uncompromising word of faith. So open your heart to receive the ministry of the Word of God today, and you will be changed, empowered, and motivated to fulfill the Word of God in your life. Father, we thank you that your Word is powerful. It's quick, it's alive, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, finding even to the asunder the soul, the spirit, the joints, the mar, and is a discerner, the thought and the intent of the heart. And Father, we thank you that tonight, tonight we will receive from your word, which is your power, and we expect that the word will be confirmed with signs following. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Well, I want you to say something with me. I believe we ought to have a confession, praise God, confession of faith together. Now, don't say it unless you can agree it. See, listen, now, you know, I've seen a lot of people, they'll, they'll somebody get a confession of faith, and, and uh, everybody will sit there and, and they'll say, well, you know, whatever, and they'll make their confession, and everybody just sort of parrot along after them. They don't even know what they said. Now, don't do that. Listen real close, and if you can agree with it, say it. Amen. Well, I can hear your head rattling. That'll do for an amen for now. We'll, we'll crank you up here in a minute. I <laughs> know right that wrong. Amen. All right. Praise God. I wouldn't mind this mic. Cutting in and out. I don't know what it is. All right. You ready? Are you listening? Okay. Father God. Father God. Tonight, tonight, I'll receive from your word. I receive it implanted in my spirit, and I expect it to change me. I'll be different after tonight than I was before I'll be better because your word is your power. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. See, that's 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 a confession of faith. And I believe that. I agree with you. What you just confessed, I agree with you. You're going to be different. Now, let me just tell you something about myself very quickly. Brother Ron shared with us this morning some things about his ministry and how he ministers. And if you've never seen Brother Ron ministry, you are in for a treat. Glory to God. I enjoy Brother Ron. His, his ministry blesses me. But, but let me just tell you this right off the bat. I'm not too religious. Okay? Now, <laughs> Amen. I may do some things and I may say some things that you go, is that supposed to be a preacher? And if, if it don't, you know, if it doesn't agree with your theology, well, that's all right. Just do away with your theology. Okay? Amen? Because we're getting into the Word of God. Now, my background is not all that important, but I was raised a Southern Baptist, and uh, I'm sort of like Norval Hayes. Uh, Norval tells a story how he got down on his living room floor and beat his floor and kept saying before God, God, deliver me of my first bed just mine, Lord. Deliver me of my first bed just mine. And you know why? He said he had to do that because he didn't believe in miracles. See, I don't know if you know this, but Baptists are trained out of miracles. That's the truth. I know I was raised one. I mean, you couldn't get more Baptists than I was. 
I was raised by Baptist parents that were raised on a Baptist orphanage. They grew up on that Baptist orphanage, and uh, then after they left there, they couldn't stay away from it, got talked in, back into coming to work for the orphanage. And then I grew up there as a staff child of my parents who were working there as employees of that orphanage. I mean, we were Baptists. Baptists. I kidded Beth, one Piedmont Believers, and I believe it was the second Piedmont Believers Commission. I was talking to her about the Baptist orphanage, and I said we had Baptist dogs. She said, what's a Baptist dog? I said, that's a dog falls in the creek gets baptized. <laughs> I don't know, you know. But we, we were Baptists, see. That was, that was my upbringing. So I was trained from a child all the way up that, that miracles were done away. Healing was done away with. I mean, it's good that God did that. Praise the Lord and all that. But He just didn't do that anymore. Now, we never were really told why that made any sense. But, you know, that's what we were told. God just didn't do things like He used to do. And they didn't say this, but as a child growing up, you sort of got the impression God was getting old. You know, I mean, He just wasn't quite as strong as He used to be. Now, He used to heal people, yeah. And, and you know, I mean, there was great miracles took place in the part of the Red Sea. And, and I mean, now, I, we were taught that that was literal, and that was so, and it is. But today, those things don't happen anymore. And you find in a lot of churches and a lot of denominations, not just Baptists, but in a lot of denominations, uh, well, I'll just tell you this. My father, he still attends a Baptist church. And he, he went before his Sunday school class and started teaching one day and started talking. There was a particular reference to demons and to Satan. And he taught along the line. And, and a few people of the, of the class came up afterward and said, uh, Mr. Bailey, uh, do you mean to tell me you actually believe in the devil? Now, these Baptist folks, I mean, you know, Christians, born again, I have no doubt but the, what they were born again. They had received Jesus Christ as their Lord. They believed God raised Him from the dead. Didn't believe in the devil. Now, don't you know Satan was having a fun time with them? I mean, he was just doing whatever he wanted. They didn't even believe he existed. I mean, he, he just beat them around all day long. Well, this must be God's will, some mysterious, you know, some... No, folks, it's time we get real with the Bible. I mean that. It's time we get real... I have seen a move by the Spirit of God among God's people in this day. Even the so-called faith people, word people, whatever term you want to use, we're having to buckle down and get real. The time is long since past that we can play around with the things of God. We're having to get serious about it. And I think that's good. I, I welcome that. I praise God for that. That thrills me. Praise God. The Lord has instructed me this week to teach on a subject that I have taught on before, but it's, it's close to me because it has to do with an aspect of my ministry. I don't know if you realize this or not, but when God calls you into a ministry, He puts you in a particular position and gives you particular gifts in that ministry. Now, if God calls you as a teacher primarily and you teach the Word, don't belittle that. Don't ever, don't ever let me hear you get up and say, I'm just a teacher, Brother Bill. Don't ever let me hear you say that. I started out as a teacher. I praise God for the teaching ministry. And just to tell you the truth, it's still my favorite. I still teach quite a lot, and I enjoy it. Now, God's sort of getting me over into some other things, Brother Ron. I'm getting over into some things. I'm acting more like Ron every day. I <laughs> and you know why? Because Ron's acting more like Jesus every day. That's what Paul said. Follow me as I follow the Lord. 
Well, I don't really follow Ron. I mean, I don't even see Ron very, very often. It's a treat for me to see him. But I respect his boldness in the Lord. I respect anybody that gets up and just tells the truth. I'm tired of people just playing around with the things of God. I don't know why that's in my spirit. Playing around with the things of God. There's too many people doing that. I haven't even got on the subject yet. We'll get there in a minute. Glory to God. But anyway, God gives you gifts. Turn with me to Ephesians 4. Now, it's not my purpose, and I don't intend to minister on the ministry per se, but it's an area that the body of Christ needs some instruction on. The ministry is taught about the ministry quite a lot. But the body of Christ at large doesn't receive much instruction concerning the ministry and the role of the ministry. But look with me, if you will, at Ephesians 4, verse 11. And he gave some apostles. The apostolic ministry, the apostles' ministry, has not passed away. It is not gone. There are apostles in the land today. I've had the privilege of meeting with some, talking with some, getting to know their ministry. It's a thrill. Oh, Bill, you know an apostle? Oh, yeah, glory to God. I know an apostle. I'm believing, praise God, he's going to come to North Carolina sometime. The one I'm particularly thinking of at this moment, Terry Mines. I'm in contact with him, and we, we hope to get him. If not this year, we'll get him sometime, praise God. Has a powerful ministry. And, and there's a confidence about Brother Terry's ministry that I truly believe it's part of his calling, part of his gift. He doesn't make any bones about it. He just comes in and says, God, the miracles are going to take place here today. Just like that. Well, how can he do that? Well, he's seen the dead raised in his ministry. Hallelujah. I mean, you get confident when things like that take place. All right. He gave some apostles, some prophets. Prophets' ministry hadn't passed away. Amen. Don't everybody shout at once. All right. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists. Now, we're used to evangelists. We sort of know what those are. Some pastors. A lot of people think they know what a pastor is. They probably don't, but they think they do. And teachers. Notice that the teacher is part of the five-fold ministry. The teaching ministry is a supernatural ministry. That's why I said don't belittle it. Oh, Brother Bill, those are just Sunday school teachers. No. And just because somebody is a teacher in a public school doesn't mean they're going to make a good Sunday school teacher or teacher in the body of Christ. A teaching ministry is a called anointed ministry. I tell you what, you can, you can stand behind the podium and teach the Word and not move a peg. Just stand there and preach and be under the strongest anointing. I mean, you can't imagine how strong an anointing is. And people be out there just glued to their seat with their eyes. And they're just, wow, look at all oh, that's something. And people get healed in meetings like I saw Jerry Savelle in Anaheim, California in 1979. He was just teaching. You know, very similar to what we're doing right here. They have a much bigger meeting. But he was just up there teaching on miracles, planting the seed for miracles. And he was going along teaching. And this lady up front, so I believe she was about second row from the front, if I remember correctly, in a wheelchair, and he's just teaching along, and she just gets up. I mean, nobody laid hands on her. He didn't say anything to her. He's just teaching. He wasn't even looking at her. He was sort of about this way, you know, had his Bible in his hand, and he's going off like this, and over here this lady gets up out of the wheelchair and pushes her wheelchair through the aisle and out of the auditorium. 
Now that place went bananas. And including me, I must confess, I just, ah, you know, I'm happy to see you. But that was a result of the teaching ministry. She sat there in those meetings and heard the Word. Psalm 107.20 says that God sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. See, God sent the Word and it is, the Word is the power of God. I am not the power of God. I'm not. The Word of God tells us in Romans 1, verse 16, that the Word of God is the power of God unto salvation. Now, a lot of folks would say, well, now, yeah, but that means, uh, you know, that it's the power of God to get you born again. Well, that's true, but the word salvation goes much further than that. We're going to find that out this week. The word salvation covers your healing. The word salvation covers your protection. The word salvation even covers your prosperity. See, it's an all-covering word. It really means to save, to heal, to protect, to make whole spirit, soul, and body, and to deliver from temporal evil. Now, that covers it all. But the Word of God is the power of God unto that. The Word of God is the power of God. If you forget everything else, remember that. Because never again will you look at your Bible in the way that you look at it, looked at it before, if you realize that's the power of God. Now, not the ink on the paper. You, you understand what I'm saying. You know, don't go carrying this around like it's going to glow in the dark. <laughs> I tell you, you can take this, this particular copy of the Bible with the ink and the paper and leather and everything that it's got, throw it in the mud puddle, stomp on it, tear it to shreds and burn it. And the heaven and the earth would still be standing. Lightning would not flash. Thunder would not peal, you know, whatever. Nothing would happen. This is just a copy of the Word of God. But the words in this book are God's words. They came out of His own mouth and they carry with them the same power that it had when He spoke it. And you know what happened? When God spoke, He said, Light be. And this whole deal got slung into place. Now you talk about power in words. God's got some power in His words. And this Word of God it still has that same power behind it. What we've got to realize is we've got to tap into it. And that's what we're going to find out partially this week. God has instructed me to teach on healing. Healing. Center up on healing. Now, as I said, God gives gifts. It says right here that He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting. Now, don't let that word perfecting carry you. It just means maturing. For the maturing of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we come the unity of the faith. Now, I don't know whether you realize it or not, but God calls people to the unity of the faith. That's more and more with me all the time. That means without the other denomination. I'm, that don't usually go over real big, but that's okay. I'm no longer a Baptist. I don't, you know, have any allegiance to the Baptist. I have no allegiance to the Assembly of God, Church of God, Pentecostal Holiness, you know, whatever. I, I, now, I don't, you know, I'm not saying that you ought to go to whatever church you're going to and just say, y'all are of the devil or anything like that. And I will tell you this, denominations were originally created because of strife. Now think about that. Why would there be a need for a denomination unless there was strife? One group got upset with another group and said, we're assembly of God. The other group said, well, we're Pentecostal holiness. See, that's strife. See, in the body of Christ, it should be, should be, the unity of the faith. There is a unity of the Spirit. Here in Ephesians 4, 
verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And then he says here, the fivefold ministry are given in order to mature the body of Christ and so that the body of Christ then can in turn do the work of the ministry and edify the body of Christ, edify itself together in love, and it will come to the unity of the faith. Now, it will come to the unity of the faith. I'm convinced of that. Whether you're part of that unity or not, it's your business. But it will come to the unity of the faith before Jesus comes back because He's coming back for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. And He didn't say, I'm coming back for a glorious Baptist church without spot or wrinkle. It's not what He said. He said, I'm coming back for a glorious church, a glorious body of believers that are in the unity of the faith, that are mature, that are no longer children being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. You know, one wind blows through and everybody is talking about inner healing. Oh, that's big now. That's a bad inner healing. Well, you know, it doesn't matter that it's unscriptural. It's a fad. I mean, what could be scriptural about dragging up your past sins when the Word of God plainly says that old things are passed away and all things are become new if you are in Christ? See? I mean... It's a wind. It's a gust of doctrine. It's a, it's a wind that blows through and everybody gets on the bandwagon and talks about, you know, and all the shows and all the talk shows all have guests come on and say, what do you think about inner healing? Well, I don't know. I think this, that, and the other, you know, and they all talk about it. It's just a wind of doctrine. It'll, it'll pass. I dare say for most, it already has passed. People already got off that bandwagon. Same thing happened with the so-called discipleship movement and all the other movements that took place. But it's the unity of the faith we're being called to. The unity of the faith. Now, we're going to see some things in these last days, and you've heard some of these ministers here today talk about some of the things that will be taking place. I believe Brother Durant Bardew put it this way, there's going to be a shaking. And I see that in a lot of areas. A lot of areas. There's going to be some shaking. There's going to be some Christians shook up. Now, you come to enough meetings like this, and you're going to get shook. Now, you may leave and say, I don't like those kind of meetings. They step on my toes all the time. Well, you got them out there to step on. I mean, you know, let's be fair. If you didn't have them out there to step on, you wouldn't step on them. See, when I get up here and start preaching, I start stepping on my own toes. Now, you know, back here somewhere I'm going, mm, oh, mm, you know, because, see, it's the Holy Ghost. <laughs> it's not me. See, if it's up to me personally, privately, you know, regular old Bill Bailey from Denton, North Carolina, I'd just as soon get up here and just have us a good shouting time, you know, and everybody just be real happy. But I can't do that. I'm responsible for what God's told me to do. And so I can't just, you know, coddle everybody. Get in a lot of trouble that way. All right, we're finally going to get on the subject, praise God. Why did I say all this? Well, I'll tell you why. <laughs> it's because God gives the ministry certain gifts. One of the gifts that He has given to you, now listen, one of the gifts He's given to you, body of Christ, He didn't give it to me for me. God has never, now catch this closely, God has never given a man or woman a gift for them. Now if you thought God gave you a gift to make you super preacher, you're in the wrong business. Go back to selling shoes. No, God gives gifts to meet the needs of the people. I had to come to terms with the fact a long time ago, I'm a gift. 
My life is no longer my own. Not only have I given it to the Lord, I've given it to the body of Christ. I've been made a gift to you. Because of that, now, Brother Ron said this morning, you, you thought maybe he was being cocky or talking arrogantly in some of the things he said. You may think that of me tonight. I don't particularly care. But I'm saying, listen, otherwise you're going to cut off the, the flow of the ministry of the Word of God to, to you, not to the guy next to you. He don't care what you're thinking. Okay? God gave me to you, and in me being available to be a gift to you, God trusted me with certain gifts, such as, as I said, the teaching ministry, the teacher, and the pastor. But He also gave me another gift that I wasn't particularly ready for, had no experience in, particularly as a Baptist, and that is the operation, the special anointing in healing. I had no desire for it. i tell you the truth. When God told me about it, I said, No, sir. <laughs> no, thank you. I, you know, I don't want it. Give it to somebody else. That's not real bright, you know. But I did it, ignorantly. Praise God for His grace. You know, He said, You know, poor dummy, we're going to have to teach Him. But He taught me, and I finally realized that it's not something that I could just say, Well, Father, you know, give it to Ron. I don't want it. He gave it to me. It's up to me to do something with it. You know, I was going to be responsible for it one way or the other. And so I began to study healing. That's why it's so close to me, close to my heart. Not only because I have received my healing from the Word and from the ministry of the Word, but because God's called me in that area of ministry. And I trust you understand that. See, the reason I'm explaining this in such a way now is because I don't want you to think that I'm trying to lift my ministry up or myself up or anything like that. Now, there'll be those who think that anyway, and that's okay, you know, that's between you and God. But I know my heart, and I know where I'm standing. I know what I'm doing. And, you know, if you think it's easy, you do it. <laughs> Amen? All right. Glory to God. Turn to Third John, verse 2. I think if there was a Scripture in the whole Bible that God would give me to preach on, it'd be Third John, verse 2. I go back to it all the time. Brother Beecher mentioned the tape series back there, Prosperity God's Way, that I ministered. And uh, that whole four tape series, four 90-minute tapes, four of them now, on this one verse of Scripture. Now, we bounced off from that Scripture and went a lot of different directions. And we hit a lot of different Scriptures concerning prosperity. But basically, this was our Scripture. This was our theme that we read every night, 3 John verse 2. Now, we're not going to center up on the prosperity Tonight or during this week, we're going to center up on the other part of it. Look at it with me. Third John 2, Beloved. Well, that's pretty good. Right there, we'll stop. <laughs> beloved. Who is he talking to? He's talking to the beloved. Amen? He's talking to Christians. Now, it's important you see that before we go any further. He's not talking to somebody that's not born again. He says in verse 1, The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth, Beloved. He's talking to Christians. Now, that should be obvious to you in the context of what we're going to read, but I'll, I'll make a statement in a minute, and I want that to be clear in your mind. Beloved, I wish... If you look in your center column reference, you'll find that it says pray or desire. I pray, I desire above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. Now, look at that. Beloved, I wish or desire above all things... All, 
A-double-L. All is the longest word in the Bible. Did you know that? All. It's a little teeny word, but it's, it's all. That's 100%. There ain't no more all. Now, why is that so important? Well, you'll see it here. Look at this. Beloved Christians, I desire above all things, above anything that I can ask, above anything that I can pray, these two things, Christians. Now, it's obvious, and this is why I made that statement, it's obvious if he was talking to people who weren't Christians, the big thing to desire for somebody who's not a Christian is getting born again. Amen? I mean, that's it. That is the greatest one miracle that will ever take place. Amen. To be born again. The human mind cannot conceive of that. You can accept it, and you can learn about it, but you take your basic old knothead natural brain and try to explain to it that the you inside, the, the real you, not the brain, not the flesh, but the, the spirit of man. So you are a spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body. The spirit is born again. You hear newscasters talking about it, you know, he says he's a born again Christian. And when they first started doing that, you, you, they had two or three of them discussing and arguing and trying to figure out what in the world they're talking about. And they talk about it like it's some kind of new cult. He's born again, you know. Man, it's been around ever since Jesus' day. He told Nicodemus, you must be born again. Wasn't some new kind of thing. No, but being born again, Nicodemus couldn't understand. He said, no, wait a minute, Jesus, you tell me i got to crawl back in my mother's womb and get born again. That don't make good sense. I don't see how that's feasible. See, the natural mind cannot conceive it. It is a miracle. It's the greatest miracle. So that's what you would desire above all things for somebody that's, that's, that's not born again to get them born again. But after they're born again, what are the two greatest things above all else that you could desire? Man, I could make a list on all I'm wrong, I reckon. Get grounded in the Word. Stay, you know, in the truth. Hear the Word of God. Take heed what you hear. Man, I could make a list. I mean, I could make a long list of the things above all that I desire for Christians. But that's not what God put in His Word. Look what He said. Beloved, I desire, I pray above all things that thou mayest prosper financially. That's what it's talking about. If you look it up in the Greek and be in health physically. I'm not talking about spiritual health. It's talking about physical health. That's the meaning of that word. Even as thy soul prospereth. Now there's the kicker. Even as thy soul prospereth. Even as is a term of equivalence. For instance, if you work an eight-hour day and you get paid a certain wage per hour, let's just say offhand it's $5 an hour, okay? and you work an eight-hour day, you are paid even as you work. See what I'm saying? It's a term of equivalence. You're going to be paid a certain amount based upon how long you work. If you work two hours, you're going to get paid $5 an hour. That's going to be $10 that day, you see. All right? Even as, beloved, I wish, I desire, I pray above all things that I can pray, ask, or desire that you prosper financially and be in health physically even as in the same proportion to your soul prospering. Now, your soul prospering, that term will throw you if you're not watchful about this because you see, a lot of Christians these days have, have made the term soul and spirit equivalent. 
They said, I'm a soul winner. They really didn't mean they were a soul winner when, if you are biblical about it, if you're scriptural about it, you're not really a soul winner. The soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions. You didn't win their mind. If you got them born again, if you, t- if you showed them from the Word how to, how to receive Jesus as Lord, and they did that, you didn't win their soul, you won their spirit. You're a spirit winner. See? We need to get... That's what I said about getting real. We need to get more specific. We need to be more watchful of what we say and how we say it. Because you, you don't know, you know, you may not realize this, but you're confusing people. Now, I realize and I understand what you mean when you say soul winner, okay? I, I don't get real, you know, I don't jump on it like a chicken on a bug. I'm not real picky about it. And if you say, Brother Bill, praise God, uh, God's called me as a soul winner, then I'll say, well, glory to God, brother, I'm behind you. I'm not going to pick on you, okay? But I'm just saying, realize the truth behind what you're saying. You're talking about the spirit of a man. You're born again in your spirit, not your soul. Now, anybody that's been born again longer than a few minutes knows that. Amen? You know that. You were born again in your spirit. Your spirit's a, your spirit's a new creature in Christ Jesus. But that mind hadn't changed a lick. You think the same way. Matter of fact, it would probably shock you. You get born again, you think, Oh, dear God, I'm thinking the same thought. Oh, I must not be born again. So that's what a lot of people get upset about. They think, I must not be born again. I'm thinking the same way. Well, your mind didn't get born again. You're going to have to do something with your mind. That's why we got the Bible. It's to do something with our mind. Renew our mind to the Word of God. That's what God's told us to do. He said, submit your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable before God. That's your reasonable service. See, do something with your body. And then he goes on to say, renew your mind to the Word of God. See, your spirit's taken care of. Your spirit is now right with God if you're born again. But you've got to do something with your body and your mind. And see, if Christians would ever realize that trichotomy, if you'll allow me to use the term, the, 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 the tripartite man, spirit, soul, and body, I said this one time when I was pastoring in Salisbury. I said this, I was teaching, and, and uh, uh, it just came up out of my spirit, you know, and, and I knew it was God, I, you know, it was nothing that I came up with on my swiftness. <laughs> Glory to God. I said, if the body of Christ ever understands that they are a spirit, they have a soul, and they live in a body, they can understand the Bible. That's the truth. See, we've been so confused about who we are. I mean, how are you going to know something unless you know who you are? I mean, really. People going around today, I'm searching for myself. Glory to God. I heard Brother Hagin. <laughs> Brother Hagin on this set of tapes, oh, I tell you what. He said, how come, how come he get off on a thing like that? That's what he said after he got on this. But he, he said... He said, I hope none of you... He's talking to Ramah students. He said, I hope none of you Ramah students have come down here looking to find yourself. We don't have time to waste on you finding yourself. And he got down right tough about it. And I thought, yeah, amen. Go to it, you know. And what got him so, so upset is he saw one of these Christian talk programs. He didn't say which one. But he, he saw his Christian talk program and they had this girl on they were interviewing and she said, you know, I've left my husband and we got a divorce and I divorced him so I could go out and find myself. Supposed to be a spiritual Christian. And she divorced her husband to go out and find herself. Mm. <laughs> that set Brother Hagin off right quick. I'd set me off too. Find yourself. You ought to know who you are in Christ. I mean, you know... My name is Bill Bailey. I was given that at birth. 
other than that, I mean, other than just my name, to in order for you to call me something besides, hey, you, <laughs> I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's my identity. Now, you know, whatever else proceeds from that is just additional. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I didn't realize how deeply I had that in my spirit till I went to Jamaica with Beecher. If you, <laughs> if you ever want to have a fun time, go to Jamaica with Beecher. Now, you got to know Beecher to really appreciate this. But Beecher, he, he, no holes barred, man. He's gone down there to minister the Word. And I'm down there to minister the Word myself. And, I, and I'm, down, I'm, I'm operating in the teaching ministry over here. I go over to St. Anne's Bay, Jamaica, and Oaxaca Basin, and, and, and uh, uh, that other city I can't think of right offhand. It'll come to me here in a minute. But anyway, we, we ministered all over that island, different cities. One night I'd be one place, Beecher would be at another place. And when I wasn't preaching, I was acting in the helps ministry. I was just helping Beecher. And I had my camera along with me, and I was making pictures. I did not, and I, I'm sorry to confess this, and I've told Beecher, I apologize to him, I really wasn't listening to what he's teaching, okay? It was one of those times that I was so involved in that camera and getting a good picture of him ministering in Jamaica and doing the things in the helps ministry. I don't know if you realize it, but in the, in the helps ministry, you can't always concentrate 100% on what's being taught. You've got certain responsibilities. The PA system and, and things of that nature. You can't just give yourself totally over to the Word. See, the helps ministry does that so you can do that. Amen? They take the pressure off you. And so I'm sitting there with my camera and I'm diddling with it and getting the light just right and everything. And Beecher's preaching right along. And he's just, I don't know if, if you're like me, but whenever you're not really listening real close to something, it's sort of like a buzz out here somewhere. You don't, you don't understand it, but you know it's going on. I knew he was preaching, I just didn't know what. And he came up to me, I, I was sitting out there taking his picture, and I was sitting there in the chair, and he's preaching right along there, just preaching, pacing back and forth like he does, preaching away. And all of a sudden he poked his finger in my face. And I looked up, and my mind went blank. I don't know if you ever had anybody do that, but, you know, just surprise y'all, and you just, you don't even know what your name is, you know. He said, who are you? Just like that. And I said, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I thought, where did that come from? <laughs> I mean, you know, I didn't, I didn't know my name, but I knew that. <laughs> See, it was in my spirit. And after that happened... I was uh, I was quite happy about that, just to tell you the truth. <laughs> I mean, I really was. I thought, well, go to God. It really works. You know, I mean, thank God you can put that in there and it works. You know, I, had, I was like a kid and you told me I was thrilled. And he went on to ask me, he said, what else are you? I said, I'm a minister of the gospel. That was the second thing out of my mouth. I thought, well, how, you know, praise God, that's all right. And he went on, that seemed to satisfy him. I don't know if that illustrated his point like he wanted it, but he went on and preached, you know. <laughs> And I got my composure back, and then I listened to what he's preaching. <laughs> I didn't want to be caught again, amen? Praise God. I mean, you, you might want to stay on your toes here tonight. You never can tell. We still haven't quite got into the notes yet, but we'll get there. But the thing about it is, if you ever understand that you are a spirit that is born again, you have a mind that has to be renewed to the Word, which is called or translated in the King James, the soul. Generally, not every time, but generally it's translated so. And, it, and the Greek word that's used here is suke, in this case, in 3 John 2, where it says, even as I sow, it is the correct Greek word suke, which means the mind, the will, and the emotions, 
or uh, I believe Thayer says that it's the animal sentient principle only. That may be a little highfalutin for you, but basically that means it's the mind, the will, and the emotions. Okay? Now what's he saying here? I desire that above all things that thou mayest prosper and be physically in health, even as in proportion to thy mind, will, and emotions prospering. Now how does your mind, will, and emotions prosper? In the Word. Renewing your mind to the Word. That is prospering mentally. Now you can have an IQ of 180 and not have your mind renewed to the Word and you are ignorant. Okay? As Brother Copeland says, if you have an education apart from God's Word, you are not educated. That's the truth. You need to renew your mind to the Word. Look at verse 3. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee. Now you don't have to turn to it, but John 17, 17, Jesus said, Sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. Now we're talking about a term even as being a term of proportion. If you say is... That's a term of equivalence. Two plus two is four, right? I believe that's right, yeah. <laughs> two plus two is four. It's a term of equivalence. If Jesus said, Thy word, God, God's word is truth, that's a term of equivalence. The word is truth, the truth is the word. It's interchangeable. So we can scripturally interchange the word truth for the word word. W-R-D. So let's do that. Verse 3, I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the word that is in thee. Even as thou walkest in the word, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the word. Well, now, isn't that scriptural? Amen. It's scriptural to walk in the word. We're told to walk in the word. So you see, what we're finding out here is the way that you're going to be in health, generally speaking, now, i got to say that because there are all kinds of ways for you to receive your healing. We're going to find that out this week as well. But generally speaking, the way for you to stay in health is to have your mind renewed to the Word and walk in the Word. Amen? All right. Beloved, I desire, I wish, I pray above all, all, all things, all things, that thou mayest prosper financially and be in health physically, even as thy mind, will, and emotions prosper, I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the word that is in thee. Amen. I don't believe there could be any greater testimony than for somebody to leave this meeting and go some, to some other state, for instance. Go back to Johnson City, for instance, Ron. And, and for you to report back up there to New Life Christian Fellowship that I tell you what, praise God, there's Word in those folks down in, in Concord. I mean, they're walking in the Word. They're walking in the truth. Praise God. I, I tell you, I, I wouldn't mind people having that testimony of me that I walk in the Word and in the truth. But you see, if I do that, if I walk in the truth, if I walk in the Word, which is the truth, and I renew my mind to the Word, according to this Scripture, even as I renew my mind to the Word, I will prosper and be in health. But that's a sort of a double-edged kind of a thing. If you are not prospering and you are not in health, even as, where does that put your mind? Your mind's not very, very much renewed to the Word. And you can listen to most Christians and place them exactly as to where their mind is concerning the Word. You listen to them talk. And they'll tell you in just a few minutes whether they intend to or not, 
if they're on the Word. And there are a lot of Word, faith people that think they're on the Word but really aren't on the Word. They're saying a lot of positive negatives. They're saying a lot of good sounding things but there's no power behind them. There's no... You can tell it's really not coming from their spirit. It's coming from their mind. And they don't really have it grounded down here. They're not really walking in it. So you can tell when somebody's walking in something when they're just playing with it. Now, it may be hard to discern at first, but if you've been in it a while, you can tell them. And, and we won't go much further into that. <laughs> None less preaching gone to meddling. It's okay. God is willing to heal. Do you know that? Now, like I said, I'm not too religious. If you think, well, this isn't going just like I thought it would go, well, that's okay. That's, you know, it's just received from the Word. Turn with me to John. Hallelujah. Chapter 1. Good place to start. John chapter 1, verse 1. God is willing to heal you. We're going to find that out. Now, I don't know how far I'm going to get in my notes. <laughs> don't particularly care because we've got, we've got a week, you know. i got six sessions on this. And I intend, we're going to get, as a matter of fact, I'll tell you this, we're going to get into some things concerning healing that I dare say the majority of you have never heard before. Now, I'm not saying that because I'm some kind of hot shot. I'm just saying I know how these meetings go. I've been in on every Piedmont Believers Convention. When Beecher and Ron and I got together and by the Holy Ghost were led to, to start this thing, <laughs> whatever it is, gotten bigger than all of us, you know. It, it's it's broader in scope than we ever thought it'd be. But as we got before God and prayed and He started giving us direction concerning this, the one thing that I've noticed about Piedmont Believers Convention, and that is, as one theme of one of the Piedmont Believers Conventions was, we go from glory to glory. We go from glory to glory. From Monday night, Tuesday night's better. From Monday night, Tuesday morning at 9 o'clock's better. Amen? And by the time you get to Saturday night, Woo, Sadie barred the door. I mean, we just have a blowout in the spirit, you know. I mean, it gets wild. Oh, brother, you know, aren't you afraid of wildfire? No, not afraid of it in the least. I tell you. I've <laughs> yeah, heard it said it's, it's easier to put up with a little wildfire than to try to start a fire to a wet blanket. There's a lot of wet blanket meetings around, you know, just nobody just... Mm-hmm, you know, just sort of biding your time, counting the change, sitting around on the blessed assurance, you know, just... Uh, no, it's time we left those kind of meetings to the wayside. We, there's too many bless me clubs as there is, all right? Amen. A little bit of an amen. All right. Praise God. I tell you, either either really receiving this night or you're just sitting there going, what in the world is this? <laughs> amen. John chapter 1. was God? Now... You ought to know exactly who the Word is by this point. The Word was God. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14 tells us that the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Who is the Word made flesh? Jesus. The Word was and is God, and the Word is Jesus. Now, what that tells us is it is very difficult to separate God the Father from God the Son and from the Son and the Father being the Word. Now, do you follow that? That's going to be real important here in a minute. 
because, and I'm approaching it from this way, sort of in a strange kind of a way, because I want, before we get to the point, I want you to see something here. You see, a lot of people have said, I don't know what God's will is concerning healing. They've made that statement, I don't know if it's God's will that I be healed. If I knew it was God's will, then I know He's able to do it. I mean, there's, there's no question. I, I dare say there's no question in the body of Christ that God is able. We know God is God. I mean, you know, if He wasn't God, He wouldn't be God. God can do it. He's able to do it. But will He heal? Is it His will to heal? And is it His will to heal me? And is, is it His will to heal you and heal today and so forth? That's the question people are asking. So in establishing an answer to that, we've got to first find out that God, Jesus, and the Word, and the Holy Ghost are all one. Now, if you get that, the rest is going to be really easy. It's going to be like falling off a log. No problem at all. And you'll see that. See why in a minute. All right. From there, let's go to John 14. What we're establishing here is that Jesus and the Father are so much one, you cannot separate them. as far as their will is concerned. Okay? John 14, verse 6, very familiar scripture here. Jesus says unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The truth's the word. The word's the truth. Jesus is the word. Amen. We got it made going in. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. Now, we've read that before. We've heard that before, and it's not so strange to us. But imagine you're one of the disciples, and Jesus says, You know the Father because you've seen him, because you've seen me. What? <laughs> I mean, if you there, wouldn't you feel like you'd miss something? See, you don't have access to the Revelation knowledge we've got access to. You don't have the book Acts. You don't have Romans, First and Second Corinthians, and all the rest of the New Testament. You don't know what we know now. All you know is here is a man standing before you that you've seen perform miracles and so forth, and you know that Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, and Jesus said, Flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, Peter. You, you are a piece of rock, and upon the massive rock of revelation knowledge, I'm going to build my church. And you went, what do you mean by that? And then Jesus talked to you a little bit about, you know, uh, the time's coming that I'm going to be gone, you know, but I'll come back and receive you unto myself, and you just you try and figure all this stuff out. And then Jesus says to you, if you had known me, you should have known my Father also, from henceforth you know him and have seen him. And you go, huh? Sure, Jesus, uh, whatever you say. And Philip is standing there scratching his head, and Philip says unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it suffices us. He just said we know him and we've seen him, and show him to us, you know? I mean, I'm just almost imagine the kind of confusion they're facing. Jesus, if you'll show us the Father, it'll suffice us, okay? Look at what it says. he says here. Jesus says unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet thou hast not known me, Philip? What's Jesus doing? All of a sudden, Jesus is talking as the Father. Isn't that what he's doing? Jesus is saying, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And Philip says, Show us the Father. And Jesus, out of his mouth comes these words, Have, you been so, have I been so long time with you, yet you have not known me, Philip? I, the Father, am speaking unto you. Now, Philip, I'm sure, Philip, that didn't help him in the least. <laughs> you know, 
not understanding any of this, he's looking at Jesus going, wait a minute. It's, it's beginning to dawn a little bit. He's saying He's the Father, and yet He's also saying He's the Son, and that He and the Father are one, and this is getting beyond my little peanut brain. Okay? But look what He's saying. Have I been so long time with you, and hast thou, thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? See, there's the answer. I'm in the Father, He's in me. The words, now listen to this, the words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself. Now what's Jesus saying? I'm not speaking any words out of my mouth except that the Father speak it through me. In effect, He's saying, Philip, I'm the Father's mouthpiece on the earth. And didn't He also say that I, I, I don't speak anything except what I hear my Father speak? I don't do anything except what I hear my Father do? He said that. That's going to be real important here in a second. Just hold that thought. Believest thou not that I am in the Father, the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, He doeth the works. Jesus just told us right there that He never healed anybody in His earthly ministry in and of Himself. That's what He just said. Now, if that doesn't agree with your theology, like I said, scrap it. We just found out from the Word that Jesus said... The Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. I mean, just believe it because you saw it. There's nothing else. Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, that's me, the works that I do shall he do also. The works that Jesus did? Yeah. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Now, can you see what Jesus said? Jesus said, because I go to the Father, you that believe it, me, that I'll do the same thing Jesus did. Well, Jesus did some things. Boy, I'll tell you what. Jesus raised the dead. Now, I haven't done that yet, but I'm expecting to. You know why? Because the Father's in me like He was in Him. And I'm not raising anybody from the dead. It's the Father in me. He doeth the works. See? Oh, brother, boy, oh, that's blasphemous. No, it's not. Look, Jesus said that I, as a believer, he that believeth on me, I believe on him. Don't ever accuse me of not believing on Jesus. I believe on him. And the works that Jesus is doing, has done, shall I do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because Jesus has gone to be with the Father. Now, let's update it to my day and time, okay? Jesus has gone to be with the Father. He is there. He is my great high priest. He is the author and developer of my faith. And I, I do believe on Him. And He's working in me. And I'm operating on the Word of God. So I can fully expect, 100% expect and know, that I'm going to do the works Jesus did and greater. Because He said it. Now, either He's lying, or He made a mistake, or and we know better than that, Jesus meant what he said, said what he meant. He said, I'm going to do the works he did, and that's what he meant. Now, the question you ought to ask yourself, am I a believer? And if you say, yeah, then you ought to be doing the works Jesus did and greater. See, the responsibility is thrown back in your lap now. What are you doing with it? That's what I had to deal with. What am I doing with it? Why am I not seeing the dead raised in my ministry? There's bound to be reasons. Am I believing on him correctly? Am I operating in the work? Am I fulfilling my ministry? I mean, what... 
well, see, you start asking, asking yourself those questions. All of a sudden, this whole business that Christians go about blaming God for things, I don't know how many Christians I've heard say, well, you know, God's not using me that way. God will use anybody He can use. God will use a jackass. There's hope for me, glory to God. He did, didn't He, in the Old Testament. Spoke through the mouth of a jackass. Well, brother, man, I never heard it put that way. Well, that's all right, praise God. It's the truth. God will use who's available. Are you available? Are you faithful? God will use you. He'll look over me and people to get to you if you will be available. Yeah, Jesus, I'll do the greater works. I don't know what they are exactly, but I'll do them, you know. Just let me at it. See, Ron said something this morning that when he said it, everybody sort of gulped and went, what? Ron said, said you've got to be a fool. <laughs> well, there, there, there's truth to that. <laughs> Amen? He said that the, the, the gospel preached is foolishness. And it is to the natural mind. And the natural way of thinking, you've got to be foolish to be used by God. You've got to just throw yourself open, no holes barred, Jesus, use me. Do whatever. If you tell me to stand on my head and count to ten, I'll do it. Now, I'm confident he won't do that, you know. I don't see any reason he'd ask me to, but if he did, I'd do it. I've never even been able to stand on my head, but I believe I'd do it supernaturally if necessary. Amen. <laughs> I mean, you know, if I have to prop my feet up against the wall or whatever, I'd do it. I'd, I'd at least give it my best shot. Amen. <laughs> but see, the thing is, God will use you if you're available. If you have been guilty of saying, God's not using me. Turn that right around 180 degrees. I'm not available for God to use me. I'm holding back something of me. I've got too much time that's precious to me. I've got too many favorite TV programs now, God. Now, you know, you can use me any night but Wednesday because my favorite program comes on then. Everybody smile. Amen. <laughs> oh, Brother Big, you read my mail. Well, I'm reading mine too. <laughs> Amen. See, the thing about it is, be available. God uses available vessels. A lot of people get the idea that you had to be born under some lucky star or something. Well, first thing, luck's not of God. And next thing, there's nothing to do with the stars ruling and guiding people's lives. That is astrology that is of God. That's of the devil. So forget all that. You know, there's nothing really important about what you were cosmically named as a child. Now, names influence you. Don't get me wrong. But I'm saying you didn't have to necessarily be called oral at birth in order to be greatly used of God, okay? I mean, you can be called William at birth and still be used of God, particularly when William means helmet of salvation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> So you praise God. But see, the thing is, you don't have to be so concerned about things like that. I, I, my name doesn't have to be Kenneth to be used to God. I mean, you know, Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Hagen, uh, you know, even Fred Price, I believe, one of his K's in there is a Kenneth. <laughs> but see, Frederick K. C. Price, you know. Uh, the, you don't have to be called Kenneth to, to make it with God. God doesn't particularly care what city you were born in. I had to be born in Thomasville. You know, that doesn't really make that much difference with God that I was born in Thomasville. Hallelujah for Thomasville. But, you know, if you were born in Salisbury or Concord or Cucamonga, I mean, it doesn't matter with God. 
as long as you're available. Now, I don't know why I got off on that, except that somebody needed to hear it. Hallelujah. John 14, verse 11, Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe for the very work's sake. Very, very, I say unto you, He that believeth on me the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye, believer, shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you let me keep my commandments. Don't forget that. <laughs> if you love me, keep my commandments. Don't expect verse 14 to work unless you work in verse 15. Now, we won't go much further with that tonight, but just take my word, that's the truth. That's what the Lord's talking about there. But now notice that. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. Anything in my name, I will do it. I tell you what, folks, we've been falling far short of the power that God's given us. And I don't mean power in the sense that we're some kind of money-hungry, you know, power-mad kind of people that we want to wave our hand and mountains jump in the ocean and things like that just to watch it happen. I'm not interested in seeing things happen just to see them happen. I'm interested in seeing somebody get up out of a wheelchair because they're delivered. Because it meets their needs, you see. Now, I'm just as thrilled as the next guy when somebody jumps out of a wheelchair, but at the same time, I'm not going looking for those kinds of things just to do something, you know. Some people go to the drive-in, and some people watch television, and some people will try to see people jump out of wheelchairs. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about ministering in order to meet the needs of the people. Now, what does this all have to do with healing? Well, you'll see here now. We're going to begin to get into this somewhat. Turn with me to Matthew 8. Matthew chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. I dare say you've seen this story, heard it quoted before. Talking about Jesus. When he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Now let's stop right there. People today, remember what we said, people today are asking the question, God, if it's your will, I know you can heal me. I know you are able. I know you are God. I know you have the power to do it, but I just don't know if you are willing to do it. Now, we're talking about healing, okay? Is it God's will to heal you? Is it God's will to heal everybody every time? Now, what most people don't realize, is, unless they've read the Scripture, is that Jesus was asked the same question a lot of people are asking us today. A lot of people are asking the, the full gospel ministry or the word ministry or faith ministry, is it really God's will to heal every time? Does God really want to heal me? Is it His will that I be healed? Well, see, here's, this, this leper here asked Jesus the same question that we're being asked today. Let's look at His answer says, Lord, if thou wilt, if you want to, if you're willing, you can make me clean. I have no doubt but that you have the power and the ability. You can make me clean if you will. Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. Now look at that. Look at verse 3 real closely. Do you see anywhere in there that Jesus went and prayed for 40 days and 40 nights and fasted and sought God as to whether it was God's will for this guy to be healed? Oh, dear God, I need a revelation. Speak to me with a word of knowledge about this guy here. You know, I need to know. Is it your will? Or do you have some great mysterious 
great glorious purpose in his life that he be a leper. Do you notice Jesus doing that? Do you notice him taking any longer than even a split instant to say, I will? Well, yeah, but he's Jesus. Oh, all the more reason we ought to be thrilled. Remember what we just found out? Jesus and the Father are one. Jesus doesn't say anything except what the Father says. Jesus doesn't make any judgments other than the judgment the Father makes. Jesus isn't even, he isn't even thinking anything except what the Father's thinking. There's so much one. There's so much an individual. So when this man said, Jesus, if thou will, he's saying, Father, or in his case, God, if you are willing, you can make me whole. And God the Father said through his Son, I will. Now you see where we've been hidden. God stated His will concerning healing right here in Matthew 8, verse 3. God said it. Well, Jesus said it. Yeah, I know Jesus said it. But we just found out that Jesus and the Father are one, and anything He said, the Father said. And if you've seen Him, you've seen the Father. If you heard Him, you heard the Father. Can you see that? When Jesus said, I will be thou clean, and immediately his leprosy was cleansed. You know what's obvious to me? That leper really did believe that Jesus could do it if he was willing. See, realize this. We make light and we, we kid around sometimes and laugh sometimes at people that says, I don't know if it's the Father's will. Hey, if you don't know if it's his will or not, that's a legitimate thing holding you back from getting your healing. We ought not make light of that. Now, after you've been taught that often enough and you're just so dense, you're going to sit there and I don't know if it's God's will, that falls in the level of stupidity. See, we're no longer talking about ignorance. We're talking about stupidity. Do you know the difference between ignorance and stupidity? Ignorance means that you are intelligent, but you just don't know. I am ignorant of nuclear physics. I have no knowledge of nuclear physics. I mean, it's just beyond me, okay? I know a few things about it, but that's it. I have no knowledge of how to take a, a car engine apart and put it back together. I'm ignorant of that. But I do have knowledge concerning certain aspects of radio equipment and putting together a radio program. I have knowledge in those areas. I have certain knowledge in the area of photography. Things like that. I'm knowledgeable in that area. See, I'm ignorant of certain things, but ignorance means you are capable of learning. See, it's really no shame to be ignorant. To be ignorant of something simply means you don't know it, but you are capable of learning it. To be stupid means you can't learn. See? Now, that's, that's the difference. And that's a key thing. There's a lot of Christians, unfortunately, that are spiritually stupid. God had me say that one day on the radio program. I just about <coughs> choked on it <laughs> when I said it. Because I just said it. I said, we got a lot of spiritually stupid Christians. And I thought, huh, maybe I should rephrase that. <laughs> but I didn't. You know, that's what God said, and I just delivered it. We do. We've got some spiritually stupid Christians. Meaning they've heard the Word and 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 they've heard that it's God's will to heal. Oh, it's God's will to heal. They've had it proved to them scripturally up one side and down the other. They've had all these scriptures quoted to them. You can see i got a page of them. Fine print. That I, could get. I don't even know if I'm going to get into all of it tonight. But I'm just saying, we've got more than enough evidence to show that it's God's will to heal. But they still say, if it be thy will. That's stupid. We done got past ignorance. We done got into stupidity. 
Now, if that's a little tough, that's okay. See? Now, if you are still ignorant, if you haven't heard the evidence of the Word and the truth of the Word concerning God's will, don't get upset with me. Okay? I mean, after all, I will admit I'm ignorant of things. I fully and willingly admit it. But I do have knowledge of some things. What I want to do through tonight's service and through the progressing services through the rest of this week is make you knowledgeable of certain aspects of healing. Make you knowledgeable of what God's will is. If you have knowledge of God's will, then you can act on it. Now catch this. You will never act on the Word of God beyond your knowledge of the Word. You will never, ever act on something you find in the Word beyond your knowledge. You may think about it. You may think about trying it. But you'll never do it successfully. You must know. Did you know that faith knows? Faith knows. Faith isn't guess so. Faith isn't hope so. Faith is I know. If you don't know, you don't have faith in that area. You've got to know. I know my calling. I know. I don't guess. I know. Well, Brother Bill, isn't that arrogant? No, that's not arrogant. That's just knowledge. I know that my name is Bill Bailey. I know that. I, I, you know, I know it. I don't have to have faith, you know, in the sense that we talk about. You know, a lot of people, they use the word faith when they mean hope. They use it interchangeably. Oh, oh, Brother Bill, in faith I'm saying that I'm healed. Uh-huh. Yeah. You just used one of them real positive-sounding negatives. In faith, brother, I've got my needs met. No. Faith says, my needs are met according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Faith says, I'm the healed. Jesus bore my sicknesses, carried my diseases. By his stripes we were healed. I am the healed. Faith says that. Can you see the difference? I'm trusting by the Spirit of God you're going to see some things. Like I said, we've been using some real positive-sounding negative things. Bold by faith, brother, I'm receiving it. By faith, by faith. And you're using it in the term of hope. I hope I've got enough faith. I hope I'm operating in faith. I hope I know what I'm doing, but I really don't. See? If you're going to operate by faith, you're going to have to know. Know that you 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 know. Based on the Word, not based on what I say, or Brother Beecher says, Brother Ron, or Gary, or anybody here, any minister of the Gospel, no matter what they say, you've got to know from the Word. Now, what we're endeavoring to establish here is that when Jesus said, I will, it was the Father saying, I will. Now, Jesus also said, Matthew 12, 25-28, we won't turn to it, but He also said, a house divided against itself will not stand. Now, if Jesus were saying in and of himself, my will is that you be healed, and God saying it's not my will to heal this leper, and Jesus is saying it is my will to heal this leper, we've got an argument going between God the Father and God the Son. One saying I will, and the other saying I won't. You've got a mess. A house divided against itself will not stand. And I'm here to tell you, God's house will stand forever. There's no strife in it. There's no arguing in it. Jesus and the Father and the Holy Ghost, I mean, man, they agree together in one. And the Word agrees together in one. 
Now, when Jesus said, I will, the Father said, I will. I'm going to repeat that enough till you get it. Hallelujah. All right. Let's look at, flip over a few pages to Matthew 6, verse 7. Now, once again, this is real familiar scripture, real familiar territory for you, but I want you to see something here. Matthew 6, verse 7. When you pray, use not vain repetitions. <laughs> I think we ought to tell word people that, don't you? I don't know why I'm getting down. <laughs> I'm sort of, I'm treading on some toes tonight concerning some, you know, word folks as we call ourselves. Hey, I call myself a word person, okay? Don't get me wrong. I'm not belittling that. I'm a, I'm a faith teacher. I'm a confession, word-believing teacher. I mean, from the word go. I taught it back before I knew what it was, Brother Beecher. I mean, I did. I taught faith before I knew what faith was. You know, you can do that. You can teach all the principles, A, B, C, D, you know, one, two, three, four, and five, and not even know what you're teaching. Now, I didn't say I did it very successfully. I just said that I tried it, okay? I had to get into where I knew what it was before it ever worked. How to work it. I had to get to where I knew it. Alright? When you pray, don't use vain repetitions. Now see, a lot of Christians are going around saying, I'm healed, 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 I'm healed. Over and over and over and over and over and over. Do you know there's a difference between a confession of faith and a confession of fear? There's a lot of people saying a lot of good sounding faith words in fear. They get a little pain, and they go, I'm healed, 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 I'm healed. And all the time they're feeling, mm-hmm. they're not acting in faith. They're not acting in faith. Now, I'm all for confession, folks. Don't get me wrong. But if you're going to confess the Word, do it in faith. Faith goes to the Word. Faith goes to 1 Peter 2, verse 24, and actually turns to it and looks it up. See, I mean, that, that involves turning pages, if you catch my drift. You see, we've got a lot of people that are confessing what they think the Word says instead of what the Word says. If you turn to 2 Peter chapter 2, excuse me, 1 Peter, I'm sorry, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, and you actually turn there and you look at it, "...who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree." that we being dead to sin should live under righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. And you look at that, and you look at that, and you meditate on that, and you look at that, and you get it in your spirit. I mean, it's down in the way you know that you know that you know, praise God, His Word says, by His stripes ye were healed. If He said ye were, then I am. And then you stand up and boldly before God, you say, Father God, according to your word in 1 Peter 2.24, by Jesus' stripes, I was healed, I am the healed. That's it. That's it. You've acted in faith. From now on, you say, thank you, Father. Praise you, Father, that I'm the healed. Oh, hallelujah. That pain strikes you. Oh, thank you, Father, I'm the healed. Oh, thank you, Lord. Now you're just praising God. You're not going around, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. You know, now, that may seem like a very slight difference, but watch your motivation. Look at your heart. I dare say every one of you know of at least one experience in your life when you confessed what you thought was a good confession out of fear. 
out of fear. And if fear was your motivation, you noticed it didn't work? Now, I'm big on results. I'm a great believer in effectual prayer. Effectual means it has an effect. The fervent effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Hey, I'm all for fervent praying, and let's jump and shout and pray, and I'm, I'm, you know, I can get into that. But let's have it be effectual at the same time. Let's have it cause an effect. Amen? Let's find out how to pray. I'm convinced a lot of Christians don't know the first thing about praying. See, it's time we begin to realize some of these things. The Word of God will work every time it's put to work, but we got a lot of Christians not putting the Word to work at all. They're trying to act on what somebody said, the Word said, and they don't even have it in their heart, and they're just trying to do it as an ABC formula, and it's just not working, and they're about to just give up on faith and words and confession altogether, and they're just about to say, man, this stuff, there's something wrong either with me or with this whole message. I'm just going to forget it. No, now hold on before you forget it, before you throw it away. Stop. Do you really, truly have it in your heart? I dare say if you do, you've seen it work. And the times it's worked, you knew when it was working. And the times it wasn't working, you knew when it wasn't working. I know because I've been there. I get up there, I knew, I knew it wasn't working. I knew, man, I knew. I could tell. And I knew it wasn't God's fault. It's not my fault. I mean, you know, I hate to admit it, but it, it was. And I had to get back to square one, just go right on back there with my head hanging and say, all right, God, I missed it. What I do wrong? Yes, sir. All right. Here we go. Praise God. And I got on the Word, and you know, it worked then. Now, see, I'm not beyond asking God what I did wrong and correcting it. That's what you ought to be. I've done that. I got out of the hospital one time that way. I mean, I, went, I was... I'd confessed the Word for a year and had been in divine health for a year. Still wound up in the hospital with wealth all over my body. All the time I'm in the hospital, I'm the healed, I'm the healed, I'm the healed. Fever of 103, 104, wealth all over my body. I'm the healed, I'm the healed, I'm the healed. Something down in here said, this is not working right. I mean, it was real bright on my part, you know. Yeah, that's that's true, Father. What what do I need to do here? And I went back, and he told me what I did wrong. I'd opened up my big mouth, put my foot squarely in it, said something dumb I shouldn't have said, gotten completely off the word, and told somebody I can get sick like anybody else. He had to remind me supernaturally because the devil had had managed to make me forget it. You know, he got up in there and in, in the the mind battleground, and he sort of neglected to tell me that I'd made that statement. And God revealed it to me supernaturally when He did. I said, I see it. Father, I'm asking you to forgive me of not operating in faith. You know, whatever's not a faith sin. I ask you to forgive me according to 1 John 1, 9. My not acting in faith is sin. I ask you to forgive me of that. And now, Father, from this point, I'm going to start acting on Your Word in faith and patience, meaning consistency, and I'm going to be consistent on Your Word and from that day to this, I'm still living in divine health. Got out of the hospital in less than a, uh, 24 hours' time after I corrected my mistake, I was out of the hospital. Now, I still had a faith fight on my hands. Every once in a while, a little wilt would appear right on my forehead. And I'd be driving down the road, and I'd sit in the rearview mirror, and I'd say, no, that's it. No jumping up and down and going, you know, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. <laughs> None of that. No, I just said, no, no. 
What I knew, I knew that I knew that I knew I was healed. I'd gotten out of the hospital of that business and it wasn't coming back. No. That was it. You know what God had me say one time? I was walking up the hill, the hill at, at my father's house, pretty good little hill there, and I'm, I'm walking up the hill and all of a sudden I had a, a pain go through my chest and Satan said, it's a heart attack, I'm going to kill you right now, you're dead. You know what God had me confess? Nothing. He didn't have to say a word. Not a word. Not even a hallelujah or anything. I just walked right on up the hill. The only thing I did different, and I'm telling the truth, the only thing I did different was quicken my pace. Why? Because I knew that I knew that I knew. I'd already said earlier, matter of fact, earlier in that week, I'd made the statement to somebody, praise God, I'm living divine health. Hallelujah. Now, you know, when you act on the Word, Satan will come and apply pressure. And that's what he was doing to me. He was applying a little pressure there. And he started telling me all... He started reading his flip chart. He flipped in his chart and said, <clears throat> heart attack. And I went, oh. But I didn't say anything. See, I didn't give my plays away. Be a good poker player. I was getting down the brass tacks, folks. Be a good poker player. Don't give your plays away. See, Satan doesn't know anything except what you tell him. Satan's not all-knowing. You confuse Satan with God. See, you thought Satan was all-knowing. No, that's not right. Satan doesn't know anything but what you tell him. And if you telegraph your plays to him, then, I mean, he's got it made. You're telling him exactly what you're going to do. But whenever he applied the pressure and I just... Went right on, quickened my pace, didn't say a word. I mean, I don't, I did, I couldn't hear what he's thinking. Don't get me wrong, but I could almost imagine him thinking, "I must have not pulled the right string or something." You know? I mean, there was no reaction whatsoever. Why? Because I knew that I knew that I knew, and yet I tell you what, I dare say probably nine out of ten word faith believing Christians, as soon as that hit them, they get down, they double over on their knees. I'm the healed in Jesus' name. I'm the healed. And, and Satan's going, <laughs> we pulled the right cord on him. Why? Because you're saying it out of fear. I'm going to die. That's what you're thinking. And while you're thinking, I'm going to die, and out of your spirit you're thinking, oh no, i got to do something, and you start saying, I'm the healed, I'm the healed. Satan knows where that's coming from. Why? Because if, there were, if it were truly in your spirit that you are the healed, and it were truly coming out of your mouth that you are the healed, then the power in that word would run him clear off, and it wouldn't be there. Now, see, we need to realize we've got to bear down. We've got to get straight. We've got to get serious with the things of God. Because I'm telling you this by the Spirit of God, there's going to be some Christians that think they're faith people that seem to be operating on the principles and you probably credited them with being faith people that are going to fall over dead, saying, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. And the people standing around them are going to say, see, faith doesn't work. No, faith works. It's just, just in his case, fear worked. Fear is a spiritual force, just like faith is a spiritual force. And fear killed that guy just as dead as faith made him alive, or would have made him alive, or kept him alive. See what I'm saying? Don't base your faith on anybody except the Word. Anything except the Word. 
Don't base it on me. Don't base it on Brother Copeland. I have said this. I've made this statement. Before I said I, I'm, I'm, I'm not making this as a statement of, of, of my faith or I'm not saying this as a prophetic word or anything like that. But I'm just telling you this, that if, this isn't going to happen now, but if Kenneth Copeland were to crash in his airplane and die tonight and it came out in the papers and they came on his TV program and had memorial services and said Brother Copeland died in his airplane and just that service, just the week before on his TV program, he said plainly, I won't be killed that way, wouldn't affect my faith in the least. My faith isn't based on Brother Copeland. My faith isn't based on Brother Hagin. I appreciate their ministries. Oh, glory to God, I praise God for their ministries. They pulled me out of a bunch of garbage and tradition. Praise God, their teaching delivered me. But at the same time, my faith's not based on My faith's based on the Word. If Brother Copeland were to get up and say, I've just been lying to you all this time, it wouldn't bother me because he'd been using the Word and it's in the Word. See? It's time we, as individuals, you and I, us real folks, get down with the Word of God and just believe it. Just blood and guts believe it, folks. I mean, get down there with it and just, I mean, if you excuse the expression, come hell or high water, praise God, we're going to believe it. I'm talking about getting real. We know it's God's will to heal. We know it. We have been established in that. If you've had any teaching of this kind at all, you have been established in the fact that it's God's will to heal. Now what we need to do is start acting on it. Now, I want to share one other thing with you before we close. Hallelujah. I told you I wouldn't get through near, near all my notes. Matthew 13, verse 15. If you look at Matthew 13, verse 15, you'll see something that will be basic to the rest of our study concerning healing. And that is this. There are many methods for you to receive your healing. Many methods, okay? There's all kinds of ways. Laying on of hands, anointing with oil, prayer of faith, you know, all kinds of different things. Believing God, standing on the Word for yourself. I mean, there's all kinds of ways you can be healed. Alright? But, there's one basic requirement for all those ways to work. And that's found right here in Matthew. Matthew thirteen fifteen. For this people's heart is waxed gross, their ears are dull of hearing, their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. Not I will heal them, I might heal them, I should if they'll do that. Now, we'll get into this tomorrow more thoroughly. But if you see it, you're seeing it with the eyes opened by revelation knowledge. Second Corinthians 4, 5 through 6. We'll talk about that. If you're hearing it, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word. Romans 10, 17. If you understand it with your heart, not necessarily your mind, your heart. Understanding it with the heart. That means you get it down in here, in your heart. And you are converted. That means to be changed and to act on. To be changed and to act on. What you remember what our confession was before we started here tonight? That the words you hear tonight was going to change you. You'd never be the same after you heard it. See, that's what we're talking about. You heard the word. You saw some things here tonight, and in doing so, it got down in your heart and it's changed you. You're no longer the same. If that has taken place, God won't might heal you. He should heal you. He should. 
God's saying it this way, I'm required to. See? Can you see how strong he is? Man, that's, that's stronger than Bob Wire. If you'll do that, I should do it. Not I might, not I'll think about it. I should. I'm obligating myself to do it. I trust that you receive from the ministry of the Word of God today. If you'd like to contact me, you may write me at Dr. Bill Bailey, Word of Faith Ministries, P.O. Box 5213-5213, High Point, North Carolina, 27262. Or you may email me at this address, Dr. Bill, D-R-B-I-L-L, at W-O-F-M If God speaks to your heart about supporting our ministry financially, or you would like to receive more teaching messages from the Word of God, check out our website at www.wofm.org. I believe and agree with you for the full 100-fold return on your giving. I also believe and know that God is richly blessing you and your family every day in every way. Praise God, you are blessed and highly favored.